0: This paid podcast is produced by Slate Studios in partnership with Dairy Pure. What does the word imagination mean to you?
1: The word imagination means you have to,
2: like, put a bunch of pieces together, even if they don't totally fit together. If something um you don't, you don't like, you can imagine it's something else.
0: Tell me about your favorite make-believe game
2: my favorite make-believe game that i made up is a game where like
1: me and my friends pretend to be wolves and we live as a family
0: what has your child taught you about creativity and play
1: i'm one of those moms i'm great at arts and crafts and i'm great at like going to the park but pretend play whether it's with dolls or dinosaurs or army guys has never come naturally to me so they've definitely helped me like sort of get more comfortable with like creating voices and characters and scenes and like getting on the floor and like getting into it and having like the pirates attack the fairies and things like that.
0: From Slate Studios in Dairy Pure, this is How to Raise a Parent, a podcast all about the surprising life skills our children can teach us. I'm Mallory Kasdan. On this show, we're finding a way to shed the self-conscious skin we acquire as grown-ups. She's showing me that she can take that next step, then I can too. And learn from the pure, unadulterated moments our kids experience. Ultimately, they're now reminding us that friendships are basic and pure and should form around a common common interest and grow through trust. I talk to real parents who want to embrace the innocence of childhood. They're ready to ditch their grown-up baggage on the journey to being braver, more creative, and more compassionate. And we'll get concrete answers about how to do it from a team of experts. Children are very good at getting joy out of things um, in a way that adults kind of aren't, because we're like, well, you know, maybe I'll do this, and it might work out, and it might not work out, and I'm not going to have fun. And if you can just kind of be in the moment and go for it, that might make it easier. Pure, honest, unadulterated. Welcome to How to Raise a Parent. On today's show, we're getting creative. My own kids spend hours writing and illustrating comic books, filming homemade videos, and making scientific potions with food coloring and jars of water. It's easy to forget there's joy to be found in letting your imagination unfold. When was the last time you sat down, stashed your phone away, and just daydreamed? Or took out a piece of paper and some crayons and just drew for the fun of it? Well, it's about time we grown-ups figure out how to tap into the vibrant creativity and sense of play that fills and fuels childhood. That's where my first guest today comes in.
1: My name is Danielle Crissa. I'm also known as the Jealous Curator. I am an art writer. I write books about art, a blog about art, a podcaster, an artist, and a mother. Danielle always loved visual art and even attended art
0: school to get her MFA. But in her final month of her senior year, during a critique—
1: My painting prof said to me, a painting major, in front of all of my painting major peers, you should never paint again. You know, I'd never had an inner critic before that, and that was the day my inner critic was born. My confidence was just shot. I second-guessed every brushstroke. I second-guessed every idea. It just completely broke me. And uh, yeah, I just stopped making art. And If I ever did make art, I would throw it away because I didn't want people to see that I'd made anything.
0: So painting was something that you loved, and after that happened, how did you pivot? Which direction did you go in with your career?
1: I decided to go into graphic design, and uh, that was a really good choice for me. I had a teacher in third year who said, you know, I think you were just born a designer, and I think you should try design school. And um, so I went, and I did fit in beautifully, and I ended up going into advertising and design for about 18 years.
0: She worked her way up to creative director at an ad agency. But she was burning out. So when she had her son, Charlie, she decided to quit and stay home. And when he was two
1: years old, something changed. He, he would become things. like He would just be a dog all day. It was so inspiring to watch. And I was just sort of feeling like you kind of need something for yourself at that time. Because they are full on it, too. And I, I was needing a creative outlet. And watching him... It was so almost liberating because he was just creative every single day, just his little life, just the way he lived. And your
0: site, The Jealous Curator, really let you return to art in a new way, right?
1: Yeah, and I actually attribute The Jealous Curator to Charlie too, because I was home, it was when he was around two, and I was starting to make art again, and I. Um, I started, you know, Googling around. I always joke that, you know, not only had Charlie been born, but so had the internet. And so I, I started looking for artists that I loved, and I found thousands of them. And, you know, I'd feel inspired for about 10 seconds, and then I would just feel like, oh everything's been done in every color. Like, what's the point? And, uh, you know, you should never paint again. But being home with him, he was just so inspiring. And he was just just a little creative genius from the moment that he was born. And I just thought, what am I doing? Like, I used to be that. I used to be that art kid. I decided to start a blog and sort of document what i loved that was out there just for myself i never thought i'd have readers it was just a visual way for me to gather the things that i loved and to try and sort of figure out what my own creative voice was um but i called it the jealous curator cuz i i was i was so toxically jealous of so many people and i wanted to turn that around i wanted i wanted to own it and turn it into something positive and uh and it worked so and before you knew it i guess it resonated with creative people and i started getting readers and it has sort of turned into this whole other thing so tell me about
0: the creative blocks the book that you wrote about how artists face blocks
1: you know one of the things that happened to me after all that art school stuff was a block a huge block i thought i a block meant you aren't good and you should quit (laughs) and so once i started jell's curator i started like in the comments fields and talking to artists you started to realize that oh hang on Everyone gets this. Even the full-time amazing artists showing in New York and London, they get blocks too. And so I was approached by Chronicle Books to write a book. And I, I think they thought I would just do, you know, my top 200 favorite posts. But I was starting, you know, over and over to hear these these stories coming up. And uh, I tend to listen to the universe. And I said, you know what, I want to write a book about creative blocks. And I want to interview 50 artists from around the world, all different disciplines, different ages, and just ask them, how do you get through it? Because they do. I wanted to have the tools to get through it. And I wanted to help other people who had felt like me in the past know that this is just part of being creative and that you can push through. So your
0: son is now 12. It's 10 years after that experience of you being home with him and watching him be a dog and be, <laughs> be an astronaut or, you know, be an artist. In what new ways does his imaginative output inspire you?
1: Well, he's amazing because he doesn't really, he he really knows who he is. And uh, quite, maybe when he was around seven, he said, mommy, I don't like art. Hmm. Youch! Yikes. That that's, that hurts the jealous curator. But but he said I I like to write, and so um, watching him kind of uh, on his own path, and um, he does draw a little bit to go with his stories though, and his little characters that he draws are so fantastic that I'm actually writing a children's book right now. And so I hired him as my um, <laughs> art director, um, you know, overseer. And I was like working on the characters. And I was like, what do you think about this? And he was like, mm, I think the eyes should be a little further apart. And he hmm. basically creative directed for me. And it was really neat because I want this book to be, you know, to, to have his essence in it. And so he sort of always Uh, you know, along for the ride. And I include him in as much stuff as I can. And, and, um, you know, his stories are so creative and it just makes you realize, like, to remember to tap into who we used to be when we were kids. You know, you're not jaded. You're not, you know, worried about if this is going to get published or if this is going to be hung in a gallery. Kids just make to make. And so watching him reminds me of that all the time.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really important lesson. We just don't have as much attached to the process and the output from that process when we're young. So if you can just yeah, remind you know, I, yourself.
1: Yeah, I always say, you know, if, if you remember like walking home from school and you find a really cool feather, you wouldn't be thinking, oh, I wonder if grad schools are accepting feather based work or I wonder if galleries are into feathers right now. You just took the feather home. You poured glitter on it. You stuck it to cons- you know, construction paper and you put it in your fridge. Right the end. And you loved it and you were proud of it. And um, I think as adults, you can get so into your head and what will other people think? And we'll this make a good Instagram post. And, you know, forget all of that. Just try and find that joy in making because that's really what it's all about.
0: I agree. So tell me about some of the projects from the book, The Unblocking Projects. What, have, what did you learn from all of those artists that you interviewed about creative blocks?
1: Well, it was so great because, so I did the Q&A with them about how they deal with it. And if they hear their inner critic and FYI, they all do. And then at the end of the interview, I asked each of them to give an unblocking project and they all have them up their sleeve because they all get blocked. They know that, you know, heading into a project, there will be a couple of weeks where they have no ideas. And so they all have a go-to sort of Technique. One is by Trey Spiegel. He's a New York based painter. Um, he suggests, and this is so fun to do with kids, they will inspire you with how creative they get with it. Get an image that you love. Um, I did it with a black and white picture of Andy Warhol because I love Andy. And then photocopy it at least 25 times, just on little cards, like just, you know, four to a sheet so that you're not using up too much paper. And then set a timer on your phone for, say, an hour. And you have to alter each one of those images in some way within that hour and it could just be that Andy gets some lipstick with some paint next maybe the next one gets folded into origami next and what it does is it well first of all it's fun secondly it doesn't allow you to get in your head and get precious because the time is ticking so you got to keep on going so I did this with 50 that Trey actually suggests doing it with 50 so I did 50 in an hour and there were you know probably 28 that i recycled and 23 that i loved and i thought i don't think i've ever made 23 things that i love <laughs> in an hour you know and then they're really great jump starters it gives you ideas for bigger more final pieces right but it's just a way to get yourself out of your head and just to play so that is one of my go to's whenever i'm stuck i also do that for workshops super fun to do with kids
0: so between the age of 2 and 12, which your son is now, and, and sort of that first inkling of the cre- the creative mojo flowing. Can you think of any other stories or instances that you learned something about creativity from him?
1: It's just so nice to see that infectious, um, you know, thrill. It does creativity doesn't need to come as you're a painter. It can be in writing, it could be in cake decorating, it could be in your garden, whatever it is. And so seeing how, you know, certain things that wouldn't necessarily spark my creativity, seeing it spark in him kind of makes you realize that everybody has that draw for creative outlet, no matter what it is. And so, yeah, watching him has just, has been a joy and I cannot wait to see what he ends up being when he grows up. Do you still have jealousy? No, the jealousy is gone. Um, And it went away really, really quickly, probably within a couple of months of writing the blog, because I, I realized really quickly that, you know, there was room for everybody who wants to be creative, which means there's a place for everyone. You just need to find your niche and what it is you love, and you just need to find your own voice. And so it just freed me up to go, yeah, you know what? There's room for everyone, which means me too.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And just staying focused and disciplined and making sure that you're, you know, keeping up, making sure you're putting yourself out there as much as you can. Because it also takes a lot of hard work, right? It's not just like about inspiration striking. It's
1: You have to make work every day. And, you know, maybe 90% of the time it's going to be terrible. You're not going to sit down and just create a masterpiece. You know, and I often say to people, you would never decide you were going to run a marathon and run outside and run 26 miles. Right. You would start with a mile right. and you would work your way up. But for some reason with creativity, people are like, right, I have to write the, you know, the next great American novel or I need to paint a masterpiece that MoMA's going to scoop up. And it's like, that's not how it works. You need to show up. You need to fail. I often say you have to fail like a genius because that's how geniuses become geniuses. You have to make mistakes and keep pushing forward and show up on the days when you don't feel like showing up. And then the masterpieces will eventually come.
0: Danielle Krissa, thank you so much for joining me today on How to Raise a Parent. Thank you so much for having me. Coming up, we'll hear how children possess the secret to unlocking our creativity.
2: I think you have to embrace your distractions. All of us have ADD on one level or another, and it just depends on how well we control it as we move forward.
0: Tom Sturgis is coming up in How to Raise a Parent. Stay with us. How to Raise a Parent is sponsored by Dairy Pure. Dairy Pure believes the world would be a better place if we reconnected with what's pure and innocent in ourselves and each other. And that's really what this podcast is about, shifting our perspectives as parents so we can learn from the moments of purity we see in our kids. It's gotten me thinking back to my own childhood. So much has changed since then, but I remember feeling the same joy and curiosity that I see in my son Miles today. Like how he loves posting about his favorite shows or pretending to be his favorite YouTubers. So how do you
2: like to be creative? In virtual life, I use an animation app to make animations, and in the reality life, I draw, as simple as that, or I just play.
0: So when I was a kid with my sisters, we would write and perform parodies of our favorite television shows. We also acted out local news reports. We had a bowling show. One of my favorites was set in a hospital, so we would put Aunt Alexa in the laundry basket. She was a little baby, we would put her in a laundry basket, we would be like, okay, it's an emergency, we've gotta get the patient in the ambulance, and we would pick up the laundry basket with her in it, and she was just like, what? And- Wait, 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 would you get in trouble? No, it it was, we were playing. My dad had an early video camera, and he would film us for hours. It was like we were TV stars. We loved creating the same types of things, but technology has made it so much simpler for kids today. It's a good reminder that it's never been easier to make your dreams a reality. Sharing childhood stories with my kids is one of the ways my family creates special moments of pure joy and connection. For more stories like these and more episodes of How to Raise a Parent, head to slate.com slash how to a parent. Now, back to the show. Before the break, we heard how Danielle Krissa's son played a pivotal role in opening her eyes to imagination and wonder again. And that's why I wanted to talk to Tom Sturgis. He spent his career actively nurturing creativity in adults and children. For decades as a music executive, and more recently as a teacher and author of best-selling books about parenting, and about creativity. Tom Sturgis, welcome to How to Raise a Parent.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Mallory.
0: So a few years ago, you wrote a book called Every Idea is a Good Idea. Be creative anytime, anywhere. It seems like children are hardwired to do just that, be creative anytime, anywhere. But somehow we adults lose that default setting as we age. Where does that effortless creative spark go as we get older?
2: Well, I think uh, one of the things that people do as they get older is they start to edit themselves more and more. And this self-editing process to me is one of the great enemies of creativity. Instead of an idea just flowing out of your head, the adult goes, oh, gosh, could I find a better way to phrase that? And maybe uh, somebody will be embarrassed. Uh, I'll I'll embarrass myself if I say that. And so that's, I think, a big part of where the constriction of ideas comes from is the self-editing process.
0: So how do you define creativity?
2: First off, let me say that is an excellent question. Creativity is the key to our being, the people that we are, and able to explore the world and understand it the way we are. It is our creativity that does that. At its basic and most beginning, creativity is any idea you've never had before. That is the creative spark. That creative spirit is, to me what makes us different from any other person on the planet, more so than DNA and more so than fingerprints, it's our creativity. Creativity is also fearlessness and the ability to put any idea forward simply because you had it and you believe in it. And thus the title of the book, Every Idea is a Good Idea. You have to believe in your own ideas first and believe they have merit and value as you put them forward to the world.
0: So what happens to us as adults? Like, it ha- And how do we get back the joy and the creative spark as we get older and how do we get over the self-consciousness and let that joy back into our lives and unfold?
2: It's a very interesting thing, the way people shut down their own creativity. And uh, there's a quote from Picasso. He said, it took me four years to learn to paint like Raphael and it took me the rest of my life to learn to paint like a child. In other words, and not that I could ever speak for Picasso, but what I believe he's trying to say is, the fewer filters that you can put on yourself as you are thinking and watching and looking at the world, the greater the chances of your innate, original creativity being released into the world. And I think that's what kids do. And you can look for creativity in children in in a whole number of ways. You can listen to them as they, uh, for instance, like kids who hum, if you notice there's kids all the time while they're doing uh, they're playing or thing. They'll hear, they'll hear music in their heads, that is their creativity bursting out. Right. Or if they hear voices, or if they imagine dialogue between toys that they're playing with, that is their creativity, and they're fearless about it. And I think that's one of the things that we stop doing is we stop listening to our instinct, and we are much more fearful about how people will react and judge us for having these ideas.
0: So can you tell me a little bit about creative flow and how that can improve our everyday lives if we can? I mean, I think that we we know that children have a purity and a creative purity. How do we as adults, how do we feel that same inspiration that they have?
2: I think a couple of things. When an idea comes out, when an idea pops into the clearing of your mind, you know, that's say that's 30 million neurons connecting with 60 million synapses and you go, hey, wait a second, I could do this instead of that. The first thing you have to do is embrace that idea and sketch it out, capture it, write it down from beginning to end, right? You can never say, oh, I'm gonna work on this later. This is a great idea because the lightning will fade. You will not have that great idea later. You have that idea right now. So, my thought would be, when an, idea pops, when an idea pops into your head, capture it, right? Even right. if it's just on a, one little piece of paper, capture the whole idea. I'm working on a television show now. I'm developing with some teammates. And this was an idea that just came to me walking down the street. And I went, wow, what about this? Got it. It s- sat down right there. And sketched the whole thing out beginning to end. And even though it was only three sentences, by the time I got home, I was able to turn it into two pages.
0: So you're saying always be ready. Always be ready. Just have, a, be ready to...
2: Mallory, to,
0: to shake it you out, just
2: said the exact right thing. And this is another quote from Picasso. Someone asked him, Why are you always working so hard? And he said, Because I never know when inspiration will strike, and I want to be working when it does.
0: Definitely. Yeah. You got to be primed, being able to ask. The right questions, too, seems to be important here, yeah,
2: right? Yeah, and, and I think questions, and I'll tell you this, uh, a game, because one of the things we should talk about is with your children, how do you help them access their creativity? Right. right? How do you get there? You can't just go and go, hey, here's some pens and papers. Why don't, uh, why don't you give me a little something there, Dolly? You know, it's got to be, how do you get there? And for children and adults, these games work, and they work great, okay? And it comes from what you just said. The game I play is called The Excellent Question Game. And in The Excellent Question Game, you have to ask a question you don't know the answer to. Okay. That's it, right? Let's you and I I play right now. Okay. We'll play The Excellent Question Game about the sun. Okay. So ask me a question about the sun you don't know the answer to.
0: Why does the sun shine so much in Los Angeles but not in New York?
2: Excellent question. I'm kidding. By the way, I'm one of kidding. the interesting things about the Excellent Question game is there's no answers. I like it. There's no answers. Okay, here's okay. my excellent question, and then we'll do one more with you. My excellent question okay. is, does the sun make a noise? Oh, is it loud? Like, if you could measure it, does it make a... Is all that explosion a noise? Your turn.
0: Okay. Does the sun emit a smell? Fantastic
2: question. That is the that is probably like one of the best excellent question games about the sun I've ever. That's fantastic. Does it have a smell? Good, right? I played this with my son a couple of weeks ago because I'm always playing this game, and his question was, "Are there sun people?" Nice. And I'm like, "What? That's the greatest question." And here's the thing: there are no answers, so they don't. They're not rewarded for their great question with a long, you know, a trip down uh, to the Encyclopedia Britannica. They just, you know. There, it's just another question and another question, and it's a game. And every one of those, by my definition, that creativity is any thought you've never thought before, I bet until this second you've never wondered if the sun smelled.
0: Right, it opens up any subject.
2: Okay, so that's one game. That's the excellent question game, and that's good for everybody. Like If you're gonna start a marketing meeting or, or something else, don't just go, okay, so how are we gonna sell more coffee, people? Start with the excellent question game. Get everybody's minds kind of... Get the synapses talking to each other. Get the neurons firing up. Get the lightning to strike a little bit. And then say, okay, how are we going to sell more coffee, people?
0: So it's like encouraging each thought and turning it into another one. Taking it in that direction.
2: Into another and another and another and the synapses start connecting and suddenly your brain is cooking. Which, by the way, is what it's there to do. Your brain is like a car. It doesn't go where it wants to go. It goes where you tell it, right? You go sit in your car and go, it's, it's gonna just sit there and idle until you turn the wheel and say, okay, we're going home. And that's the same thing with your brain. It doesn't care what you're thinking about. It has no idea what you're thinking about. It is not an it, it is a machine. One of the most extraordinary machines in the world. It's the instrument of your creativity. Your whole brain could fit in a, in a venti cup from Starbucks. Yet in the hands of Albert Einstein, he solves the, the, the riddle of the universe with his coffee cup.
0: Tom Sturgis, thank you so much for our conversation today. It was wonderful to meet you.
2: Mallory, what a blast. And thank you for letting me talk about my book and other things that are so close to my heart.
0: And that's it for today's show. Next time on How to Raise a Parent. Good friendships can enrich anybody's life. And it's nice to have more than one person because no one person can give us everything we want. Grown ups figure out what it takes to open up and make friends. That's next time on How to Raise a Parent from Dairy Pure. I'm Mallory Kasdan. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.